0: Uh, hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the medical education podcast from the Children's Emergency Department in Derby. My name's Ian Lewins, one of the consultants here, um, and this is another slightly different podcast in that today I'm um, talking to somebody I've never met before, never spoken to before, um, but a very warm welcome to Simon Fleming. Ah, afternoon. Um, so Simon, just explain a bit, who are you, <laughs> first of all? <laughs> uh,
1: so uh, my name's Simon Fleming, and i uh, I always find this this kind of verbal bio stuff a bit weird. So I'm uh, an orthopedic uh, ST7, or at least I, I would be an ST7, an orthopedic registrar, if I wasn't, um, out of program at the moment, doing my research on um, uh, operative competency in, in trauma and orthopedics and how we decide that people have it. Uh, in my spare time, I'm also involved with Uh, A number of different training organizations so I'm the immediate past president of the British Orthopaedic Training Association so we represent all the orthopaedic registrars in the UK as well as core foundation and medical students who who are passionate about ortho and I work with um, some other organizations around training so things like the Academy of Trainees Doctors Group which is the uh, trainee arm of the Academy of Medical Royal Colleges and the uh International Conference in Residency residency Education. So um, I've, I literally yesterday got back from their big conference in Canada, yep. uh, trying to make training better kind of around the world.
0: Okay. And people will listen to it and go, well, that's fantastic, but why on earth are you talking to him? And the reason I'm talking to you is because of the, the, the stuff you did uh, with BOTA back in 2016 that led to the Hammer It Out campaign that, that many people will have seen on Twitter so just sort of going back then, what, what was the census that you sent out and, and why did BOTA send that out?
1: Yeah, so so at the time I was vice president of the British Warwick Community Association. Uh, and um, as a committee, we started having a discussion led by, by the then president, uh, uh, Mustafa Rashid. And it was something that we all had a feel of, which is that whenever we went into meetings or presented, um, like a lot of organizations, like Asset, like the BMA, like anything, were kind of accused of being a bit of an echo chamber,
0: yeah.
1: uh, and accused of uh, being sort of self-aggrandizing, self-confirming, you know, we all sit in a room, agree how right we are, and then go and say that on behalf of all trainees ever, we say this. Yeah. Um, and we realized that though we were probably still the best positioned organization, because people talk to us and email us, and we have regional reps and so on, we needed to know more about what our membership wanted from us, how they felt. Um, And we realized that um, the current measures of that, the kind of quantitative measures of that, were things like the GMC survey, JCST survey, which are powerful tools, but they have their own weaknesses. So for example, the GMC survey, if you want to raise concerns, the first thing you have to do is give up your anonymity And the first thing they do is give your results to your trainer or your boss or your TPD, which, for all sense and purposes, means very few people ever say anything bad in the GMC survey. Um, And the GMC acknowledged this, that underreporting is happening and that underreporting is probably underreported. So um, we designed a census and we wanted to know about our membership, their demographics, uh, where they saw themselves going, what they were passionate about, what made them happy, what made them sad. And one of the things that um, we wanted was for them to be honest with us. So we basically made them a promise. We promised that we would keep their data anonymous, that we would literally, you know, resign our training numbers before we give up their data. Uh, We promised that we would act on whatever we found. So, you know, if it said we hate boats or we wish you didn't exist, we'd all just res- resign and go to the pub because, you know, if that's how our membership feel, then yeah. in the end, an organisation is only ever as powerful as their membership and you have a duty to represent them. Um, and because we're not daft, we found a little bit of money and said, anyone who enters this survey will be eligible to win the cost of your exit exam or the cash equivalent. And so we got a decent response rate, uh, certainly for a non-compulsory survey. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, I... I mean, I've always felt that there is was a problem in healthcare around negative workplace behaviours, but again, I was always worried whether it was, you know, just me. Uh, and it's a whole kind of joke about, you know, um, every friendship group has has kind of a bit of an ass, and if you don't know who it is, it's probably, it's probably you. you. Yeah. So, so I was kind of worried that maybe it was just me. So I, I kind of said, look, can we ask some questions about bullying, undermining, and harassment? And we did, and we asked two real questions around that. We asked um two two questions one was in the last four weeks have you ever have you experienced bullying undermining or harassment and then in your trauma and orthopedic career ever whatever that might look like have you ever witnessed it and we had a lot of debate around about that but but number one perception is important we have a real problem uh, in medicine but also you know in specifically in trauma orthopedics around recruitment and retention uh, about training morale and burnout and all the rest and a lot of that comes down to what you see what the medical students see what the foundation doctors see the behaviors and attitudes and and culture culture is that invisible wall that you walk past when you walk into a building and you you just get a yeah, sense yeah. of the place so we asked we asked those questions and the data came back and it kind of kind of knocked us back because it was it was pretty significant it was not an ignorable uh, number, the mm-hmm. kind of rates of, of bullying, undermining and harassment and so um, BOTA has an, an excellent relationship with the British Orthopaedic Association our, our parent organisation and every year at their congress, BOTA has um, has its own session the BOTA session and so we started a bit of a, a whispering campaign of you know, golly you've got to come to the BOTA session this year, it's going to be good it's going to be something exciting it's going to yeah. be like nothing we've ever seen because normally it's You know, we we present you know the big audit we've done or the big whatever we've done, and instead, um, I I stood stood up.
0: (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) Yeah. In a room
1: filled with the great and the good of orthopedics, there were college presidents, there were visiting presidents from the international community, and I started a talk with, I'm a bully, I harass, and I undermine, and I think we can do better. And then we and and because we presented the data sequentially so you know it, it was building up to a thing and then I took over at the, the the sporting bit and um yeah we presented this to the orthopedic community and then after we presented it um, and we'd thought very hard about whether that was the right place to do it we felt that it was if you look at all the different models for change they all say that at the beginning you've got to make a big noise yep. um, we then had to come up with what we were gonna do about it and we've it's very much been an iterative process, uh kind of learning through mistakes, which I should point out, you know, all successes all successes are down to the membership and the committee and all mistakes are are entirely mine. Um uh and but the, the first stage was was a brand and we started talking and actually it was um another member of the committee uh who is currently our vice president matt brown who came up with the idea of hammer it out. Uh, but we'd all been bouncing around these ideas that we wanted something kind of self-deprecating, sort of disarming, but something that resonated with the orthopaedic community, yeah. something that was a doing word, an active word, but wasn't wasn't damaging or negative or pejorative. Um, and, and we came up with this idea of hammer it out. And, and, and you've got to understand that even since then, and still now, three years later, I, I get people who say they don't like it, that it's a masculine uh, uh, phrase, that it's aggressive, Mm. that it's violent in some way and, and and we've done a lot of reflecting on that but we feel that on the whole the the, the brand speaks for itself and, and people know that that's not where it's coming from you know the anti-smoking campaign had stamp it out and, yeah. and i don't think anyone said are you suggesting that we go around kicking people it it, it it was again it was it was catchy and it trended well and we knew that we had no budget <laughs> we were a trainee organization yeah. we had zero pounds zero pence in the bank so anything we did was going to have to be driven by word of mouth and social media and and people like me going places and talking to people. So it would have to be something that was catchy. And that was, that was where it came from. That was where it started.
0: And I mean, do you think that orthopedics has an, if you like, image problem or has a, is particular, has an issue with bullying, undermining or harassment? Or do you think you just got, honest results that are probably reflective across all specialities i i think it's both
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so so again there was a conscious effort that we should start with our own house that we should start with what we know yeah we knew that there was a problem or at least i i felt that there was a problem in trauma orthopedics there is an image problem with trauma orthopedics and then there is also an image problem with surgery in general uh, in terms of the culture of power and hierarchy Uh, the culture of undermining, which is, you know, making people feel small, worthless, having less value. And then if you look at harassment, harassment is things like, you know, the protected characteristics. So sexual harassment and homophobia and racism. And again, we we felt that certainly there was an issue within orthopedics, but that undeniably the GMC survey data, the NHS staff survey data tells us that this is a problem that is everywhere. So we we started with orthopedics, both because it was our our own house, and then one of the things I was very mindful of is, again, use, using our weaknesses as a strength, and it's worked in that. People say to me, when we realized that orthopedics were being reflective, and orthopedics were admitting that they had a problem, and orthopedics were driving forward positive culture change, we as, insert specialty here... Yep. Felt like, how could we not? You know, when 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 there is an orthopedic registrar touring the world telling people that they can be kinder and better and culturally more accepting, everyone else is like, well, oh, crikey, if yeah. you know they can do it, what are what are we doing? Um, because it is it is everywhere, it is pervasive at every level of of healthcare. And and to be fair, I've 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 been lucky enough and and, and it is luck more than judgment to go around the world. And this is everywhere. Every healthcare system I've visited says, yeah, we've got the same problem, right. maybe in different ways or in different levels, but but the US, Canada, Australia, they all say, yeah, we've got a culture of hierarchy and power. We've got a culture of certain certain behaviors being acceptable. And um, we just started with ortho because it's what we knew and it, it was a good place to start
0: and i think I'd, I'd i think i'd echo that actually sort of just seeing you on twitter and and as you rightly say you think gosh here's an orthopedic surgeon saying we need to be nicer that's you know with with the stereotype absolutely firmly in my mind i thought that is the last person i'd be expecting to be saying these things um you know you'd normally expect the you know people like the cuddly pediatricians like myself to be doing this and it really struck me and the sort of the stuff that you tweet it really strikes and I think we cannot just sort of say it's an orthopedic problem there's there's, I think there's an article in the BMJ either this week or last week which says that bullying harassment and undermining costs the NHS about two billion annually so it's clearly not a problem that that people can ignore and it's not just orthopedics. Yeah well undeniably I mean the so the NHS staff survey sh- uh,
1: demonstrates year on year on year on year on year about a 25% staff-on-staff staff bullying rate. And that's across the board. Mm. That's at all levels of seniority, whether you are a allied healthcare professional or whether you are a doctor or whether you are a manager from, from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high, about a quarter of us are being bullied by someone Regardless of job, rank, gender, age, sexuality, all the rest—it's—it is pervasive everywhere. And and um, I was actually asked to comment on that article by by one of the editors of the BMJ, and I said, well, well, undeniably, because we know that negative workplace behaviours have a massive impact on your cognitive ability, your productivity, plus obviously, you know, sick days, uh, complaints, all of that sort of stuff. We know that that will have implications on patient care, which which really is what it's all yes. about. Um, uh, but my my thing was, it's like the Mastercard advert, right? So you know, bullying and undermining and harassment costs costs the NHS two billion quid a year, but the personal cost to patients and staff is priceless. You put a figure on what it costs a healthcare professional feel worthless put a put a put a monetary value Mm. on being burnt out or on considering taking your own life because of the environment you work in or you you put a financial cost on harm to a patient that occurred because people were arguing in the background and and it, it it just affects everything we do and everything we are and everything healthcare should be about
0: so having you know presented this data and banged this drum very loudly what's been the response that you've got from sort of the orthopedic community in this country
1: i I mean what i would say is on on the whole um mostly the response is pushing against an open door it is it is a, a mix of shock and and Sadness and disappointment, Mm. but of course again, I I was talking about kind of learning Learning from my mistakes. So when we started we were pretty I I, you know, we were banging a pretty loud drum and so unsurprisingly There was a lot of defensiveness And you know, that's not me or how dare you say that and it's because it feels accusatory and to an extent it it was um And that wasn't or isn't I think actually The right way to do it when I do my see my talk, I talk about um, the parenting model. I talk about the fact that um, most of us had parents and most of our parents loved us and wanted what was best for us. And sometimes our parents were mean to us and said things that hurt our feelings, but mostly, you know, they're they're good people. And then about 15, 20 years ago, someone turned around to parents and said, you know what? Um, If you hit your kid, if you spank your child, you're a child abuser. That's child abuse. Mm. And then, of course, people thought about that for a while, and they went, wait, are you telling me that I'm a child abuser? And then they went, wait, that means I must be a victim of child abuse because I was hit. So you're calling my parents child abusers? Jesus. Mm. And and unsurprisingly, that approach just didn't work. And what what worked instead was, look, the way you are parented and were parented was fine. It worked. You're a great person. We just know better. And so actually, we very much changed the way i have these conversations with people because if you finger wag we're all just human and mm. you just go you know you don't know me no and, and you can't tell me that i'm a bad person it's it's more about getting people to see that there are better easier kinder ways of living and working and getting along and that it is in everyone's best interests patients staff you know, it is in your partners at home best interest that you're nice at work because you'll come home and be happier and more fulfilled. Like it literally pervades every facet of life to just slightly modify our behaviors in in the workplace.
0: And I can see that appealing hugely to, I think, a lot of trainees and, you know, uh, say relatively younger consultants, for example. Has it gone down as well with those that have been doing it for 30 years and well, this is how we did it in my day and it's not going to change? I mean,
1: what I would say is my experience of of the more senior consultants is my experience of the more junior consultants, which is there is a spectrum. Yeah, there's a real bell curve. So on one side of the bell curve, you have people who innately like power. They like making people do things that they don't want to do. They are. They are not good people because (laughs) doctors are humans and there is a spectrum. Interestingly, on the other side of the spectrum, I have met some senior consultants who I literally am like, God, I wish I could grow up to be half the person Mm. you are, half the trainer, half the surgeon, half the doctor, half the human being. And interestingly, they're often quite challenging too because they can't imagine a world in which these behaviors exist. Because they have, they have created a culture whereby they don't exist, so they've not seen them for thirty years in their unit because no one would dare because it's toxic and bad and all the rest. And then within the middle, you have normal people
0: mm. who go, you know, mea culpa. Um, I
1: can't believe my behaviour makes someone feel that way. Or really, is that you know? I've had people say, "Is that racist?" And you're like, "Yeah, that's <laughs> that's." racist and and so you know on one hand I've had people come up to me and and literally shake my hand and congratulate me for being brave and an advocate and aspirational and inspirational which makes me hugely uncomfortable and then on the other hand I've had people come up to me take my hand and tell me that I'll never work in this town again or never work in this country again and then you get everything in between and that's that's the thing I've really learned which is that Culture change means changing people and people are inherently irrational. And so all the things you or I would do to maybe change how we treat sepsis or we treat DVT doesn't work because it's, you you can't, I can put up as many graphs as I want saying being mean makes people sad and less good at their jobs. But surely we all know that actually changing the way we behave to one another and behave to ourselves to a certain extent It's far harder because you have to change something very internal very personal to them which is their 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 belief structure and how they behave on a day-to-day basis
0: so what's next for for hammer it out i've i've seen am i right in thinking it's cut it out is the sort of surgical equivalent of that is that yeah so so i i
1: I am. I recently was was uh, in Canada, and I introduced myself to something very similar to this, and I said something like, "And in my spare time, I'm trying to change the world." So, Hammered Out has sort of taken a life of its own. Um, so, Hammered Out is a campaign run by run by voter. It's a voter thing, and as yeah. I deem it, uh, I will hand over the campaign itself to the organisation. However, un- undeniably, I I am a th- for culture change and I will continue to hashtag hammer it out because it's kind of a thing that I care passionately about and my advocacy has kind of gone beyond orthopedics now to healthcare in general cut it out is is the hashtag that kind of tends to be used pan surgically but interestingly it's used interchangeably with hammer it out I've seen pediatricians and dermatologists talking about hammer it out in their talks because it's become synonymous with culture change yeah Um, Wider than that, I'm now working with the Academy of Medical Royal Colleges and other organizations to try and get some sort of cohesiveness around a lot of the messages and around a lot of the materials that are out there. You know, doctors especially are obsessed with content, um, but we need to be mindful not to keep reinventing the wheel. The Edinburgh College have done great work on this. Uh, The psychiatrists have done great work on unconscious bias, so if that stuff's out there already, you know, why do it again? You know, if someone wants me to point them to something, I send them to the BMA or whoever. I don't go, you know what you should do. You should write an e-learning module. Um, uh, on a on a sideline, I've been either lucky or unlucky enough to be partly involved in in some work around legislation change. If I think about smoking cessation or seatbelts, it's undeniable that there needs to be a certain amount of... of uh, bite to some of the the behavior stuff that we're we're doing, um, and and kind of for me it's it's a it's a very organic process because again it's about dealing with people. So as things change and move on, so so the campaign will evolve, and it's it's a mixture of of marketing and promotion and getting the message out there, um, because realistically, changing culture from from all the reading I've done and speaking to people who've been involved in it takes about 10 to
0: 15 yeah, years. Yeah.
1: And so I can't expect Voter or ACID or any of these organizations to have this as their number one thing that they're going to do forever. But for me, it's something that matters. And for me, it's something that I think, what's, you know, what's 10 to 15 years if I get to change the world yeah. and make things a little bit better for patients and healthcare staff alike?
0: So finally then, Simon, for those people who say, listen to this or, or think, actually, that's something I'd like to get involved in as a starting point, is something as simple as just, say, following the hashtag hammer it out? Is that a reasonable starting point? And where can we find you on Twitter? Um,
1: so there's there's really three things. So the, there's the shameless self-promotion, which is, um, yeah, hashtag, anything that you want to talk about when you're talking about workplace behaviors, I would ask you to add the hashtag hammer it out. I'm on, I'm on Twitter at, at AuthorPodReg, but if someone says, look, I want to make a start, how do I make a start? It's really the, the easiest and the hardest thing I can ask anyone to do, which is to role model these behaviours. And I, I, I don't care if you are an, an undergrad medical student or you are professor of all things if you role model the behaviors you would wish to see, whether it's saying please and thank you or apologizing because I put my foot in it all the time or, or just trying to be a bit kinder or a bit more thoughtful. It is literally that that changes the world because if you role model and then you change three or four other people, it's like a behavioral pyramid scheme. Yeah, you You literally can change the world just by changing the way you behave yourself. And it's, it's really hard work and really easy all at the same time
0: fantastic simon so you're the ponzi scheme basically of, of the behavioral world
1: i i am the ponzi scheme of of fixing the nhs Perfect. except it makes me no money
0: <laughs> yes well there you go um simon thank you so much for joining us that was uh, really inspirational and fantastic to speak to you today thank you so okay, much
1: pleasure